How many of you ever had a such a good laugh? You were like, when you were done, you're like, man, I needed that. Anybody? How many of you are like that right now? You're like, I need a good laugh. How many of you could use a little bit more joy in your life right now? Uh, One of my favorite moments with joy happened on November the 16th, 2011. In the natural sense, it made no sense to laugh or joy because it it happened about five days after Stephanie's dad passed away. We had spent a week grieving the loss of Big D. And we were at Gringo's Mexican Kitchen in Pearland, Texas. Now, now it's hard to be depressed when you have a Mexican food, right? Like anyway, but this was a difficult time. And we were eating our meals, just my wife and I, over this food and this table. And I can't tell you what happened or what we talked about, but somehow we began to laugh uncontrollably. And we began to sense that the Lord was giving us a joy that was not in the natural realm, but rather a supernatural. And the, the, the joy of the Lord became our strength. And we've always looked back at that moment going, wow, that was supernatural. That was a gift from God. That was, that was such a powerful moment. I'm so glad that all of you guys are here. A lot of you guys came back to church. Many of you are joining us online for our brand new series called Greater Joy. And we're going to get ready to discover from God's word how to put ourselves in the right place spiritually, how to have the right mindset to receive more joy. Because I think most of us want to have more joy. We just don't know how. And we're going to discover from God's word. And we're also going to discover there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Like how many of you know there's a difference? Like you can be happy and it's really based on how you feel or a response to what's happening around you. Like if the finances are good, if the health is good, if, if, then I can be happy. But if there's not, there's no reason to be happy. But there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know if we should be talking about this. I don't feel like smiling. I'm like, don't you know we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like things are uncertain with our health and our finances. We've got two hurricanes that are just barreling down on the east side of our state. This is not the time to laugh or smile. Like some of us feel that way. And I want us to open up God's word and discover that now more than ever, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you should experience greater joy in your life. So let's open up to the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter eight. This is about 500 years before Christ. The people of Israel are miserable. They're weary, they're tired, they are discouraged, they're depressed, full of anxiety. And here's why, because of the judgment of God, they forsook the Lord and God allowed them to be exiled into different parts of the world. And so they lost their homes. They weren't able to gather in worship. The, the walls uh, of, of Jerusalem had come down. The gates were burned and word got out even to Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to a king. He had been exiled as well. And when he heard about the condition of his hometown, he was so saddened that he responded with such a burden of the Lord that he prayed. And God called him back to Jerusalem, to to the people of Israel, to restore hope, restore identity, and restore joy. So let's look at scripture. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse five, it said, 
that Ezra opened the book. Now, why did Ezra open the book? And who was Ezra? He was a priest. And so when Nehemiah got back, he became the governor. And so he had an idea. He was looking around. He was inspecting the walls. He was inspecting the people. And he was like praying. And the Lord gave him an idea. And I, and I can imagine him like getting with Ezra, who the priest was, and saying, man, people are upset. They're discouraged. But I've got an idea. What if we gather them back together? What if we call them back home, call them to a time of worship? We'll get in God's presence. We'll elevate God's word. We'll praise him. And let's just see what happens happens. Let's just see if God gives us a word. This was a faith moment because the children of Israel, they didn't feel like worshiping the Lord. They didn't feel like being joyful. They didn't feel, but God gave Nehemiah a word. And so this was the word, and this is what happened as a result. It says, and the, the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day, or actually, let's back up a little bit to verse five. He says, he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, he opened up the book, the, God's word. It says, all the people uh, stood up. So he says that he was opening the Bible, and out of such honor, and gratitude and respect for God's presence and God's holy word, they all stood up. It says, when he opened it, all the people stood up. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. It's all right to stand up for God's word. Let's make this a little interactive, all right? So they, were, they just had such a reverence for God's word. They were hopeful. Remember, they were discouraged. They were like clinging for a word from the Lord. It says, and Ezra blessed the Lord and the great God. Then all the people answered with what? Amen, amen, amen. while lifting up their hands. And then they all the people answered amen, and they bowed their heads before the Lord and their faces were to the ground. Again, this didn't make sense in the natural, but this was the response. And I'm so glad that these people modeled for us how to be passionate about the Lord, even during difficult times. And I'm so grateful that our GFC family, you know how to worship the Lord. You have passion in your heart. Some of you, there is, there is some laughter that's pinned up that's just waiting to get out. Some of you, you have a song inside of you. There's a dance inside of you that's just waiting to get out. And what happens when you're in God's presence, somehow you can't help it. You can't help but be expressive. And notice in verse eight, it says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not what? Do not mourn nor weep. Remember, this is a lamenting culture. They've been away in exile. They've been discouraged. They get back home. They haven't been in church in a while. Their home was destroyed and they're sad. But this is a moment. This is a moment that Nehemiah is saying, hey, we're not gonna be influenced on what we see and what's around us and what our culture is saying we must do. But rather, this is a moment that by faith, we can change the culture. There can be a breakthrough. So notice what Nehemiah says. He says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your what? Is your strength. Before you sit down, look at someone next to you and with a big old smile, say the joy of the Lord is your strength. Go ahead and have a seat. You see, Nehemiah, when he was inspecting the wall and inspecting his people, he saw that they were weak. They lacked their identity. And, and God gave him a vision to see that the, the walls be built up in 42 days. Like this was an impossible vision. And he knew that they were gonna have to have the supernatural 
work and power of God to accomplish this vision. It couldn't happen apart from God. And so when he spoke this, he's saying, hey, I know around you things look discouraging and you want to weep, but hey, this is God's holy day. Do not sorrow, no longer weeping. I want you to party. He says in scripture, it says, I mean, I want you to eat of the fat. I want you to drink, be merry, for this is the joy of the Lord will be your strength. There is strength in the joy, that the joy of the Lord can be the source of your strength and breakthrough. Now, I know that there is a spirit and there's a heaviness in our world today. And we don't feel like maybe worshiping the Lord or praising him. We don't feel like smiling. We want to be serious. We want to be sad. But how many of you know that in, even in difficult times, we can have joy? The book of James says, hey, when you, when you face trials of all kinds, rejoice. Now, how is that possible? Because it's, the reality is this. Like you can't always control what happens around you and what you go through in life. And some of you have gone through some very difficult things, but you can control your response. And so what I want you to do is see from God's word how important, even in difficult times, it's important to choose joy. It's important to have an attitude that trusts in God and not just reflect what's happening around you. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, there is a spirit inside of you that wants to produce a fruit of joy. Joy is a fruit of the spirit and you are to be producing that fruit even during difficult times. Now it doesn't seem easy and it, and it doesn't seem natural sometimes. This is why we're, by faith you walk in the spirit to reproduce joy in your life. So I wanna give you six reasons right now for you to choose joy. First, God wants you to have fun. God wants you to have fun. He wants you to have fun in your life. He wants you to have fun in your marriage. He wants you to have fun with your children. He wants you to have fun at, at, at your workplace. He wants you to have fun at church. I think it should be a sin for church to be boring. Like we should have a good time when we come together in the presence of the Lord and not just have fun and joy, like it, just as, as it relates to happiness, but there's a supernatural, there's a greater joy that comes from God. And that's what I'm talking about. Like that, that can be in us and through us. This is what I'm saying is scriptural, all right? It is God's will for you to have fun. In Ecclesiastes chapter eight, verse 15, it says, so I recommend having what? having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along the way with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. The Bible says there's nothing better. It says, I want you to have fun. Don't forget to have fun. Don't forget to be a kid again. Don't take yourself too seriously. Life in of itself, you're gonna face some trials and it's gonna be difficult at times, but don't let it rob you of its joy. Don't let the enemy rob you of your joy. Don't forget to laugh. Don't forget to have fun. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one says, finally then brethren, we urge you and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and how to please God. Our life following Jesus is a life of obedience to what he says, but how we do it is important. Like some of us think there's certain things that are in the Bible that were, are never in the Bible, like cleanliness is next to godliness. How many of you have heard that before? Not in the Bible. Some of us think that seriousness equals spiritual maturity. 
Like the more serious you are. Some of you had a faith tradition in church that religion is supposed to be serious and very quiet and reverent. And there's times for that, but there's also a time for praise. There's a time to make some noise. There's a time to, to shout. There's a time to play some instrument. There's a time to laugh and have joy. And we should abound more and more into that. How many of you have children? Raise your hand. All right, okay, so imagine you telling your child to go up and clean the room. It was a disaster, right? And you're like, just, will you please go clean your room? And imagine your child responding to you and they start, start rolling their eyes and they get up all upset and they just start marching the room. The, the shoulders are slumped over and they don't wanna do it. And they're just like, do I have to? Now, how many of you, it's like part of you wanna just like grab them by the collar and say, hey, I brought you into this world. I, I, it's my home. I've given you a room. I've given you free rent. I've given you food. Like, don't act that way, right? But I wonder how many times our father feels like that, right? Like we come into his presence and we look all discouraged and you're like, I'm happy on the inside. Well, your face doesn't know it. You need to notify your face. You need to notice by the rest of you and your words. Like when we come into the presence of God, there should be an expectation that we are in God's presence. He's gonna speak to us. It's our opportunity to worship him, praise him for what he's done and who he is, that we, no matter what we're faced here in life and what we're going through during this season, it should not dictate how we praise God. It should not affect our joy because our joy is constant because it's based on the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we come in God's presence to get, to get together, this is like, man, a lot of stuff is happening in the world and it's happening at work and there's uncertainty at school. But when we get to come together, there is something powerful in the presence of God that we get to do this when we should come into this room. We should join even online with a big old smile on our face and praise the Lord with passion and life. We should serve God. We should serve each other, not just because we have to, we get to. And it's out of this obedience that we love the Lord and there's great joy. Yes, we should give and there's an obedience. But the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. There is a next level in giving. There's a next level in our praise. There's a next level in our serving that some of you haven't gotten yet to and the missing ingredient is greater joy from the Lord. And so first reason that we must choose God is that God wants us to have some fun. Second reason is that Jesus was joyful. He really was. Now, I know that some of you, when you think of Jesus, you have this perception of him being so serious all the time. And yes, he was a man of grief and sorrows and he carried heavy burdens. And there were times where he confronted his disciples and he cast judgment and there were some serious moments. But I imagine a lot of his moments with his disciples were full of fellowship. Like remember when Remember his first miracle? Where was he at? He was at a wedding, right? This was a party. This was a, a, a reason to celebrate and rejoice. And when he turned that water into wine, I, I don't think he got in a corner and he regretted the decision that he made. And he was just so serious. I imagine that Jesus had the biggest smile on his face. Why? Because he had supernatural joy in him that couldn't help come out. I imagine that he was the most loving, loudest. He danced the best more than anybody else because of the joy in his heart. I imagine it was there, like everywhere he went, like there was, even his critics complained that he was probably too joyful. I mean, they complained, hey, John the Baptist, like comparing him, like he was, man, he was serious. Jesus, you need to be like him. He came and he didn't drink and he, would, he didn't eat. He didn't hang out with the bad people. But Jesus, here you are hanging out with sinners. Like they want to be with you. Children want to be with you. Children wanted to be with Jesus. And children don't want to be with 
sticks in the mud, right? They don't wanna be with people who are depressed and discouraged and all serious all the time. And, and, and sinners as well wanted to be with Jesus to the point they accused Jesus of being a drunkard and a glutton. This was Jesus. Jesus had a smile. And even some of his parables were laced with humor, rejoicing, and joy. Remember in Luke chapter 15, when he was sharing the story of the, the father whose son chose not to be in relationship with him or fellowship with him, and he, and he went off and he partied, and, and the consequences of his sin brought him back to the house, and he repented. What was the response of the father? He put on his robe, he put that ring on, he gave him sandals, and he said, hey, kill that, that calf. We're gonna have a party, we're gonna have steak, get the band together, and in Luke 15, seven says, there will be much rejoicing in heaven. Like there was rejoicing, there was great joy. And Jesus tells the parable where he compares the kingdom of God to a great feast. He didn't compare it to a funeral. He compared it to a time of celebration, a party. He says, go out to the highways and the byways, pull them in, bring them into my presence because there is a joy here that you can't find anywhere else. There is a joy in the presence of the Lord that you can't find anywhere else. There's another reason why we need to consider choosing joy. And that joy is an essential part of salvation. It is. It's an essential part of your salvation. You remember when you surrendered your life to Jesus, right? Like you can remember your life before Christ. And then if you really genuinely repented of your sins and you realized how much God forgave you and set you free and you became a new creation, there was a new joy, right? There's a supernatural joy in you. Psalm chapter 20, verse 5 says, we will rejoice in your salvation, Psalm 51, David says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so we can remember when we were saved. I mean, we were just baptizing people and it was exciting, right? They're new creations in Christ. They're part of our church family. We're shooting confetti. We're going crazy. We're praising the Lord. But it shouldn't just stop at salvation. As we become devoted followers of Jesus, as we mature in the Lord, yes, we should become more serious at times, but we should also grow in our joy. Some of us think, hey, no, 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 man, people who are joyful are shallow. They're, not, they're, they're irreverent. They're, they're, it's, it's immature. But I, I, I would beg to differ with you. And I would say that as we get closer to the Lord, we should grow in our joy. I, when I think of my dear friend, a spiritual father in the Lord in our church family, I think of Tom Crick. When you think of those of you who know Tom Crick, you can't think of him but being having a big old smile. And he has faced so much trial in his life. But the more I'm with him and the more I'm around him, the more I see him, his smile just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We should, we should aspire, no matter what's happening to our body or, or what's happening to our bank account or happening in the world around us, remember, our joy is not dependent on circumstances. It's dependent upon Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constant. Therefore, our joy must be constant as well. Here's another reason why we need to choose joy. Joy makes work more enjoyable, right? Some of you have jobs and you don't like the job and you have a bad attitude and you're like, man, I just can't wait to punch out. I can't wait to get it. Oh, I can't wait to have another job. And it's just becoming more miserable, right? Because of your attitude about it. But if you make joy fun, if you say, hey, this is an adventure and I may have a tough boss or I might not like what I'm doing, but I'm here for a season. And, and the word of God says that in Colossians, whether you eat, drink or work, do it all for the glory of God. Your chief purpose should be to glorify the Lord, not with a frown, but with a smile, with some joy. And you need to bring back some fun, bring back some joy to your work because you're going to last longer 
Your quality is gonna, of life is going to increase. Some of you dads are just so serious right now. Maybe you had a dad who was militant or didn't have fun, who felt like going through the Dairy Queen drive through was a waste of time. I want to encourage you to remember what it was like being a kid. You need to laugh again. You need to have joy and choose that and cultivate that in your marriage. Cultivate that in your family and at your workplace, in your small group, at church. We need to have fun. It's important to have supernatural joy. Uh, about four years ago, our church staff team, just very laser focused on our mission to help our friends become devoted followers of Jesus, we believe that God gave us the greatest mission to go and proclaim God's word and make disciples to help you grow into maturity, empower you to be sent to make disciples as well. We were so serious about it. We looked around, we're like, man, we're not, we're not laughing as much as we used to. And so I introduced to our team that yes, our mission, vision, and strategy will not change, but I introduced some team values. And this hangs on the wall and we are very focused with not just our mission and accomplishing it, but how we do it. And I felt like we need to do this with some fun. Like our team values of fun. It's really an acronym that stands for being a finisher. We're gonna finish what we start. We're gonna be committed to the responsibility. We're gonna be unoffendable. We're gonna be marked by constant forgiveness. And then N is no I in team. Now, these are things that we, we embrace as values to help us fulfill our mission, vision, strategy. But more than that, we, we want to have a sense of fun. We want to have a, a sense of joy as we fulfill our mission, as we serve together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to eat together. On the fifth Tuesday of every month, we get together and, and we have a time of fellowship. We'll, we'll go play dodgeball or flag football. And, and yeah, a lot of people get hurt, but it's uh, somewhere, somewhere in that. It's still fun for those who didn't get hurt, but it's still fun. And, and you need to have fun and you need to have fun in your family. Make it a priority. Make it a priority to be marked by joy. Another reason we need to choose joy is that your faith is stronger when it is marked by joy. Your faith is stronger. Remember what Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you choose, I, I imagine that God, when he sees you going through difficult times and your attitude, you don't choose a negative attitude, but you choose a positive attitude. You choose to, to have joy that the Lord's just like pouring out his grace. He's, pour, he's like, you haven't seen anything yet. I'm gonna give you supernatural joy. Maybe some of you are, are, are discouraged and you're trying to find joy in temporal things and it's not long lasting. Maybe it only lasts for a short season, but through Christ, you can have supernatural joy and it'll be your strength. It says in scripture, Psalm 100, verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Every time we come in here together, when we worship together, when you come together as a small group, when you're abiding with the Lord in your own devotion time, make it a decision to say, Father, thank you for a new day. I praise you for what you've done. Thank you for all the blessings. Help me to be marred by joy. Ask God, I encourage you this week to ask the Lord every morning when you're in God's word, when you're in his presence, Lord, just fill me with your supernatural joy every day. And you watch how things will begin to change. You watch how people at work and your neighbors, they're going, something's different about you because you're prioritizing. You're saying, man, I want to produce this joy of the Lord in my heart during your, your praise time, during your, your serving time and your giving and as you're ministering 
ministering to your disciples and you're in your marriage and your family, choose joy and you watch how strong you're gonna be spiritually. It really is the, the key to having strength in God is having joy. The final reason why you need to choose joy is because joy makes hard times more bearable. It makes hard times more bearable. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trials, right? Even when we suffer, it doesn't mean you're outside of God's will. He'll allow it to happen, to redeem it for his glory, to strengthen your character, for you to empathize with others, to bring you to a place of brokenness and humility and dependence upon him. We have to trust that he's gonna use it for his glory. But when we go through a time of trial or suffering, we don't need to be discouraged. I know it'll feel like that on the outside, but it's say, Lord, help me, even through this difficult time, not to let me lose my joy. Don't let the enemy come steal, kill, and destroy my joy. Because remember, joy is based on who? It's based on Jesus, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Abraham Lincoln was someone who understood grief and sorrow. He lost his two sons, And during a time of war, he was caught laughing and he was criticized saying, how can our president laugh and smile during wartime? Do you know what his response was? He held up his Bible and he says, my good book says that a a merry heart does good like medicine. He knew that the greater the tension, the greater the need for joy. It was important for him to be marked by joy, to be a public servant, to be a leader. He knew it was important for his mental health. He knew it was important for his spiritual health. And I'm gonna tell you, joy and laughter, it is important for you now more than ever for you to prioritize and treasure this as a gift that comes from God and to hold on to it and to be available to it. But it's something that won't come naturally. And you're gonna see people around you who don't feel or look very happy Remember, it's not dependent on them. It's not dependent upon a trial or what's happening on the world around us. It's dependent upon the Lord. And we can choose to be joyful even during difficult times. One of our dear friends in our church family, Mikhail Lee, affectionately known as Mama Lee, staff in our small group ministry, I've seen over the last year and a half, I've seen her face trial after trial after trial. One thing is for certain, she's never lost her smile. Let's watch her story. Mark was first diagnosed with cancer in 2011. The Lord was gracious. He had a bone marrow transplant and um, he was healed through that. Um, He wasn't feeling so good back in June of 2019. So about Father's Day of last year. And he went into the doctor and they told him that his cancer had returned. But the Lord blessed him again. And once again, he came through that. He had another bone marrow transplant and he came through that and he was healed. And he went into the doctor and they said, your cancer is back. And so now this is three times. And something happened at that moment where we just kind of held hands and looked at each other and just knew that there was going to be something different about it this time. Like the Lord um, gave me the word suffering. You are going to have suffering and Mark is going to have suffering, but I have suffered too. He actually passed away July 11th. 2020. I don't like to say that he lost the battle to cancer. Mark did not lose the battle to cancer. He won. You don't give up hope when you know Jesus is walking through that suffering with you. And I think that is part of what gives a Christian joy through that is recognizing you're not going through that alone. The pain, if I could describe it, was like a dull knife in my heart going around 
and round every day. Yet even in that pain, God was molding me and having me learn what it is to to trust him even when it looked really dark, even when it is really dark. Like God is good. The Holy Spirit was present in that room in the very end, um, giving us this unexplainable peace and even giving us joy watching him transition from this life to the next because we knew there would be no more suffering and we knew that he was seeing Jesus you know for the first time face to face the joy of the Lord is our strength right it is this strength that doesn't waver and it isn't based upon the circumstances of whether Mark is coming home or whether he's going to stay in the hospital and the strength of that comes from knowing the Lord it comes from knowing Jesus it comes from spending time with him this joy in knowing that the Lord is with you and it is not in contrast contradiction to the sorrow that you feel because you have suffered a tragedy, but they can marry each other. There's so many, there's so many lessons that I've learned through this and I'm continuing to learn through this. We were almost married 28 years. What a gift, right? God never changes. God is faithful. He will carry you through the darkest of storms. He will carry you when you feel like you've lost your role or your identity. It's all in him anyway. She never lost her smile. Mama Lee's one of the strongest people I know. And it's not because of her personality or her Enneagram type. It's because she knows the Lord. Her anchor is in Jesus. And she's chose joy. In the